Someone said drink the water But I will drink the wine Someone said take a poor man The rich don't have a dime Go fool yourselves if you will I just haven't got the time Yes, you can drink the water, but I will drink the wine. Hello, welcome to the show. This is Top Shelf, a discussion about the finer things in life. In this show, we're talking about wine tasting. We have uh, Chris Akis joining us. Hello. Also joining us, uh, Rex. For, the- for this show, I have to hold the mic with my pinky out. That's true. It's, 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 it's a pinky mic holding show. Sophisticated. My- yeah, notice my voice is lower and more calm as I talk on this show than the normal show. Oh, excuse me. I want Let me s- try this again. <laughs> Hello, hello. Is that how Welcome. we do it? I just I want to like do both of you now. Oh, that's what's going on. I feel like I'm being seduced. There's wine here. My pinky's out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now we are talking about wine tasting, and uh, before we get into it exactly, what is it exactly your qualifications, uh, Mr. Sackers? All right. So um, I guess I should preface by saying, in in no means am I an expert, but I feel that I do know a lot more about other people. Absolutely. I uh, I've gone through. Uh, Level one training through the Court of Master uh, Sommeliers. Um, so I'm level one. It's not certified that's level two, but it definitely uh, tests your knowledge on theory and other things. You uh, you get to meet with three uh, masters, which is incredibly hard. I believe there's 160 to 180, somewhere in that range in the world right now. Masters or levels? Masters. Okay. Yeah. So there's levels in your... Four levels. Four levels. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> four. Very good. And I've met three of them where we've learned how to do uh, blind tasting, wine tasting, from the people that are widely considered the most knowledgeable people in wine, walking encyclopedias, if you will. So when you say blind tasting, what does that mean? Blind tasting. So it's not blindfolded. Someone gives you a wine that you're not sure of, red or white, doesn't matter, rosé even, could be sparkling even. They hand it to you and you're expected to know... What varietal it is, meaning what grape it's made from, what uh, region it's from. And so that means that you would have to know, for example, say that it's a Cabernet from the United States, from California, or Napa, to be more specific. Then you would have to give a vintage, which means the year that it was made. And then you would have to give a quality level, I guess like low, medium, high. And that's uh, what's expected of you when you're um, tasting at a sommelier level. So you, you can do that then? With with precision, I'm a little off still. Okay. But um, definitely, um, the, the last time I tried, I did it with, uh, over the course of what we did, I tried 18 wines over a two-day span, and I got 13 right. Wow. And uh, to move up to level two, um, part of the test is a blind tasting where they give you one white, one red, and you're expected to land those wines with a a 60% precision. So what they do is they give you a grid paper and... Um, oh, well, you did better than 60%. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I, I landed those spot on, 100%. Um, they're expecting you to land the wine 60%. So it's not 60% of the wines, it's land... 60% of the information about the wine right. And that's um, detailed information. Oh, you know, nice. What what wow. um, citrus fruits you're um, smelling, like whether it's lemon versus lime or grapefruit even, or with some of the sweeter wines you get orange. 
with uh, levels of acidity, levels of... Speaking uh, of which, yes, this is actually one of my favorite parts of wine. Uh, what are some of the most ridiculous words somebody has used to describe a wine in your in your mind? I, I know there's got to be some shit out okay, there. Okay, so there's kind of this... Uh, it tastes like litter box. Oh, something like that. Okay, so <laughs> one of the best ones is I, I believe that it's 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 Pinot Grigio, the varietal Pinot Grigio. A yeah. lot of it, it has a higher level, or I mean, not impossibly high, but it has like some levels of like an ammoniated smell in there. I so agree. people instantly say cat piss, cat oh, piss, cat no. piss, cat piss. But I, um, I can see that. I, and you, Pinot you, Grigio, you can get I it. No interest in yeah. zero. So um, I want to know who's at home getting golden showers from their cat. That's oh. what I want to know. Like, how are you Clean that familiar where they're just like, cat piss. This, I know this one. <laughs> they, um, and people agree. <laughs> well, one thing that people always say when you're wine tasting, you can only smell things that you've smelled before. Right. So if the first thing you're pulling is cat piss, you <laughs> yeah. golden showers. Exactly. <laughs> Kitty golden showers. So, okay, so cat piss. And um, I don't know how accurate this is, but at one of the tastings, one of the guys told us that the uh, French way to say it is le pipi de chat. Wow. Oh, no. How much fancier does that sound? That, huh? sounds, that actually sounds appetizing. When um, you say like, so that's <laughs> like, <laughs> there's that. There's people that Chablis, which is a French Chardonnay. Yeah. People often like to say things that impress other people. So mm -hmm. they'll say, I'm getting a nice bouquet of seashells. Bullshit, right? Seashells. That's just, I mean, if they're really smelling <laughs> seashells, I'd like to have their ability to smell, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, especially bouquet. Bouquets are flowers, fucker. <laughs> bouquets yeah. is, is flowers. That's I'm it. I'm having a bouquet of seashells. I'd like to see that bouquet as well. Just yeah. Just a bunch of uh, cock shells. Yeah, kick, kick back on the acid. That's what you're having. Um, acid. So uh, <laughs> one of the funniest things that I ever heard at a wine tasting that I was putting on is uh, a lady said, like, there's only things that you could say in this world at a wine tasting because a lady said, this one has a big fruity nose. And I guess, I don't know. It's not that crazy, but saying it in person is, uh, no, it's, it's really crazy. Cause I know that there's a lot of, um, uh -oh. there's a lot of gay men that go to these events I've found. And so to say like, I could just picture myself going, Oh, there's a big fruity nose in this one. Huh? Huh? <laughs> How about, um, <laughs> This wine smells fruity, but I think the wood takes over. Oh, oh very nice. <laughs> it's almost saying the same exact. And now I know, I know why gay men go to all these things all the time. It's just a clever way of hitting on other gay men. Yeah, no, so you, you do run the wine tastings at the, uh, at the place where you work. Yes, some, some, some weeks I do, yes. Most weeks, actually, yeah. Okay. And, uh, does, uh, has that always been a part of the, the job? Yeah, it's it's always it's always been something they've had there. Um, it's extremely cheap. You always get to try six or more wines. I think it's definitely worth going to those. For $2, um, by the way. Yeah, for $2. Very cheap. And the six wines are usually, I mean, some of them are, are busts for sure. But out of the six, you can usually find two that are at least decent and, and one that usually like pops, you know, at least in my findings. Yeah, every once in a while, there's one that, that I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, oh, way over the top, right? Really good. Uh, there was a buttery Chardonnay once, and I'm just like, you, usually to get a buttery Chardonnay, you're going to pay a lot, a lot of money. There's a, there's an extra process that goes into it to make it buttery. So yeah, you're going to pay more money for that process. Yeah, but they were you, uh, they were tasting it there, and I, I love that stuff because it's just perfect with seafood. Yeah, like so so the wine tasting is something that um, has always been a part of it, and it's re it's really cool to run the wine tasting as somebody that's kind of you know, um, kind of like. 
geeking out about wine, especially like lately, you know, um, for me, I, I like to see people's reactions to it. And because the people that go to these wine tastings range from one man who, I don't know if you guys have ever, um, spoke to him, but he goes to Tuscany. He goes to the Southern Rhone of France. And this is regularly four or five, six times a year. Okay. For weeks at a time. He has an incredible palate for wine because he's tasted wine that we can only dream of tasting because it's stuff that will never get imported. It's stuff that maybe doesn't even leave a village that's six, seven acres big. Huh. You know? Crazy. It's, 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 it's considered jug wine to them because they don't make it in within the, uh, the code of the, the laws that they have set up. But this is wine that could be incredible to other people. And, and it goes down to range to the, the mom trying to get gifts for her children. And so she comes and she hates every single wine that we have <laughs> until she hits that one that happens to be the boldest, biggest wine that we have there, you know? Okay. So it's just, it's, it's crazy to see how, and then, and then one thing that happens is people will come one week and then they'll begin, they'll, they'll start to, to come, uh, consecutive weeks and to see how their palates change and what kind of wines they like one week to the next. It, it, it's pretty cool. It's just, it shows you, it helps me do my job better, but it kind of gives me an idea of just kind of what people are into in general. And it, right. it's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's very good. Now, there was one time that, uh, that we went and I, I saw a guy, he had a, he had a notepad out or a little book. And he had a whole ritual down that he, the way he was shaking the glass and looking at it, tasting it, sniffing it, and taking notes as far as everything goes. Yes. Now, what what exactly is he doing? Okay. Step by step, what 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 should you be doing if you are tasting wine the right way? All right. So just to give you some insight, what that man's doing, he um, you can if you really wanted to, you can taste about for about twenty bucks a week. You could really figure out a way to taste about 40 to 50 wines. Oh. Yeah, really. I, I mean, there, there's there's ways, there's tastings everywhere. There's there's ways that you can do this, you know? Okay. He's one of those people that goes to every possible tasting in his area that he lives every single time. And he he's met many friends. I mean, you've seen at the tastings, people are a little click. What yes. he's doing, though, is you can't remember all those. So what he's doing is he's making sure that he remembers exactly everything that he thought about that wine and can look back at it in his book to know what it what he thought of it if it ever comes up at dinner if somebody ever asks of it uh, I'm sure that that man has notebooks upon notebooks in his house huh well yeah, yeah cuz i mean taking the notes is more important than having them yeah if that makes right, sense right that's very true it it ups your retention like 60%. Uh, it, it's just like active reading versus just reading a book. Definitely. Uh, and I think just atmosphere in general, where you drink the wine, who you drink it with, how you drink it. I've drank wine where I've just been on a mission to get shit-faced and have no idea how it ever tasted. I don't even know <laughs> what the name of the wine is. And I've drank wine that is... I call that Saturday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on Saturday, I did that. And then there's wines where... You know, like uh, Trader Joe's, Two Buck Chuck, right? Uh, Absolutely. We were can, talking about this. The, yeah. The, the Big Kahuna. When I want to just drink wine, I get like a $2 bottle of uh, Big Kahuna or something, or, or we're drinking some other stuff that's not as high-end, but yeah. it's, it's mostly just just to drink the wine. It's not so much to taste it. It's just because I, I, I enjoy the taste of generic wine. The, the higher ends are, are even better, but I don't want to spend that much money all the time just to have a, a very high-quality wine. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that... Uh, on a realist, on a, on a realist 
point of view, I think that it's impossible to drink high-end wine all the time. So if you like wine, yeah, you find something that's inexpensive that you like. I found this Zinfandel that I really enjoy. Um, I'll just it's it's a uh, Ravenswood Zinfandel. They're okay. Vintners uh, Vintners Reserve. It's six ninety nine to eight ninety nine, depending where you get it. You can find it at Rite Aid, CVS, anywhere. I believe it's the 08. So I don't know what the other vintages will ever taste like, but the 08 and the one that's on the shelves right now for eight bucks, I I don't believe you can find a better wine personally. But yeah, I could buy that wine, drink it all the time, and when I'm feeling like spending some money, I'll spend some money. Right. Yeah. The, the I I was at a, a place in Pasadena recently. It was called the Nose. It's, it's a very it's a very small wine uh, is it wine bar. Is that correct terminology for it? Wine bar would be fine. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of tucked away in this little secluded area, but maybe four or five tables and a, a small bar, and then they have walls lined with the bottles. And it was it was very the atmosphere was fantastic. And I I would. I'm just curious. Do you remember exactly what you drank? Yeah, I, I wrote it down. There was yeah. one wine specifically that stuck out of my mind uh-huh. that I had the flight. It was a $20 flight for three wines. And uh, the one that I got was, was it turns out, it was the most expensive one. It's like yeah. $45 for a half a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a Bruneo de Monte, Montalcino. Yeah. That, yes, that there one. It was, it was just, there was so much flavor in it that it just, it, it blew me away. And I wrote it down. I, I searched it out because I didn't write down the clarity and everything of it. But yeah. I, I know that's the wine it liked. And now, if I can find that bottle for cheap, I'm gonna get it. But I'm not gonna drink that every single night because it's just I, yeah. I'd be living in uh, under the freeway overpass. Yeah, and you know, uh, one thing that's important to know about wine is that not all varietals are made equally. Brunello di Montalcino is a higher end uh, Italian style wine. You can find some that are incredible, but they will cost you a lot of money. And you can find some that are inexpensive. I mean. And those aren't going to be as good as the one you probably had, you know? Right. And I, I think that um, people get stuck on this idea that they've probably been to a party or dinner with somebody who knew a lot about wine and were able to get a really high-end wine, high-end Cabernet. Let's say it's like Silver Oak, Napa Valley. That's the, the go-to high-end Cabernet, okay. about 100 bucks, right? Yeah. They know they know that they like cabernets now. Ooh, I like cabernets. Uh-huh. And then the and then they try to find replicate that same cabernet for eight dollars, and that's not going to happen. No, no. It's really not. That's not to say that there's not good cabernets that cost that much, but they're not going to reflect the same complexity or the same like level of quality as those. There's a reason that you pay that much for something, which is something that I, I think that it's important to you know figure out. It's true. It's true. I used to work at a continental steak restaurant uh, way back when, and I had some really, really high-end wine. Uh, it was some kind of reserve. I don't even remember what it was, but when I drank it, it felt like I was just walking around with a midget permanently blowing me. And, <laughs> and then later on, I, I had other wines, and there was no midget. It was just It was very disappointing. <laughs> No midget. You were just alone with your left hand, not even your right. Huh? No, it's just it was it was unfair. Do, do you remember when you got into wine, Rex? Oh, dude, nah, when I had to. When you had to, yeah. Okay. Well, because I, I bartend, so oh, I it's it's not a question of like me getting into it. It was more like I have to be familiar with the product. I had to. Uh, I I can name most of the wines that we had open uh, by the glass when I first worked at a continental place. And that was uh, Claude de Bois, Claude de Vol, uh, Robert Mondavi, uh, Cab Reserve. 
I'm actually do three of those. I'm very impressed with myself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we had all Cabernets. What, you only had Cabernets there? No, we had uh, Claude de Bois is a Merlot. That was a, that one was a Merlot. Yeah. Okay. Or they they actually make a Cab too they by make the same name. Every single yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the what else did we have there? We had a couple different wines. We had a, a Pinot Noir. Uh, we had Dancing Bull. We had. So yeah, I mean, some, like some other things, like low to medium quality wines. But I bet you were yeah. selling them at like twelve bucks a glass. Yeah, because it was a continental steak joint where a fillet costs like forty five bucks. But you know, that's one thing too. You can find uh, a lot of cheaper wine for for whatever reason has a way higher uh, acid levels. I find personally. I mean, whether other people find that or not, um, that's up to them. Uh, a lot of about wine is perception. You know, I find that you can. Make these wines taste a lot better when you eat them with food. Oh, well, definitely, definitely. Like, I was talking about the buttery taste. It's just like, I forget who I was drinking that with, but they were like, oh, this tastes gross. I'm like, no, dude, you got to think about eating it with a lobster. Like, that's what's going to really bring this, this the flavor and, and really make you consider it in the kind of context that's necessary to appreciate it. Because if you're not thinking about eating it with lobster, then it just tastes like you fucking mixed a half a stick of butter with some Chardonnay and you're just <laughs> drinking that for fun. Well, see, and, and this is an argument that we have uh, almost on a regular basis where I, I prefer things to stand alone and taste good. And then if it pairs something else that tastes better, great. But if it tastes bad by itself, then I just I really have no interest in it. You trying to paint a picture with one color? No, I'm trying to enjoy the picture and then add a a filter to the picture to make it better. <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think on. there's anything wrong with that because some people like to drink because they like to drink. Some people like to drink while they eat. It's I right. think it's Let me ask you a question. Yes. Using that same form of logic, is it more fun to masturbate or have sex with a woman? Uh it's more fun to have sex, but masturbating is also fine. I enjoy I enjoy it. Yeah. Having sex is Makes, it enhances it. It's better. It's better. Masturbating is not bad. Okay. Okay. Now, what about two women? Would you rather pair? Again, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm, again, you're adding yeah. onto it. You're adding onto it. By, by, okay. by myself, by myself once, it's fine. By yourself, it stands alone by itself by, is what you're trying is, to say. It's fantastic. Okay. I don't dislike masturbating. I enjoy having sex with women. I would enjoy multiples, but by itself, fine. I'm satisfied. Have you... Um, Touche. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, the, the, the way I got into wine was uh, around the time The Book of Eli came out. I went to go see a screener of it before it was in theaters. Right. And after the movie was over, I, I went to the Arclight. And I stopped at a nearby wine place. I love the Arclight. And I just I just ordered the first Cabernet that I saw. And it was it was a Louis M. Martini. And I, 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 I fell in love. It has a, it has a following. Right away. It has a serious following, surprisingly. It was, it was the first one I ever had, yeah. and since that day, I've been all about Cabernet. And what's the price on it? Less than twenty, right? Uh, 18, I, I think I paid bucks? about thirty-five dollars for the bottle. Really? Well, this is at a wine bar. Oh, okay, though. I'm saying at a store though. Eighteen st- bucks? It's, it's not. It's not. It's I not should probably expensive. know that, right? Yeah, sure. but uh, <laughs> about that, I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like I was saying, for for twenty bucks, you can find a wine that blows your mind. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I had that uh, Crooked Path Zin the other day, and that was great. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I got price ranges between twelve and twenty-five dollars here. Yeah, so I mean, uh, all the way up um, to seventy-seven, even. Wow, all the way to seven. That's got to be vintage. That's a lot. You're looking at a wine broker, two thousand seven. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Have you? I'm just curious. Back to the conversation that we were having. Have you ever had uh, like a wine pairing that just blew your mind? Because I know you said that you would. You like things that stand alone. Yeah. So have have yes. you had that wine pairing that blows your mind? Uh, I couldn't tell you the wine that I had. but yeah. it was a Cabernet and it was Brie at the same time. Okay. It's, it's, it, it just. 
it 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 just it was a huge it, it was it was a mouthgasm is yeah. what it was and I, I i couldn't i don't know what cabernet was because it was it, the midget <laughs> yeah it was the midget that's what it but was it was it was very good i think the moment you have that and and i was drinking like uh, just like just preface this i have i got into wine from my job i was not a wine drinker i have been a, a beer a craft brew guy kind of okay for a while i started drinking wine out of job security to be honest yeah. with you same, really. that's how, that was same thing with me you have to know your product basically um and then so what happened for me is i started drinking wine and i realized that a lot of the reasons that i liked beer for whatever reason were the same reasons that I was finding that I liked wine. Certain characteristics about certain types. Pairing, enhancing pair, flavors pairing. and stuff. And then, and then that's what I was going to say is that beer pairing for me has always been something that I've really enjoyed. And I, I've, I had that mouthgasm almost immediately. But um, with wine, it took maybe three, four months. And I mean, this is serious wine tasting where I'm each month tasting 150 wines. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. The first time I had like that that mouthgasm, I was just I was just like I was in it. I there's that's Very the good. day like I remember exactly where I was. Uh, Twisted Vine Fullerton, we've been there together. Yes. Yeah. They have this uh, fried goat cheese kind of thing, and uh-huh. I was uh, I don't remember the name of the Zinfandel, but I was drinking a Zinfandel. It was actually a Zinfandel from Spain, which I which intrigued me by it because I wasn't familiar with it. Where's Zinfandel um, usually from? California. Okay. Yeah, California. California. There's also uh, Primitivo, which yeah. comes from Italy. That's what I was That's pretty say. much where you're going to find Zinfandel. Okay. So, um, you, Well, you get some Primitivos out of Spain too, right? But not usually Zins. Well, uh, Primitivo is uh, an Italy thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought it was... What's well, the, the one that's the, the vintage where it's the, the original grape? Well, yeah, all that's the other Primitivo. Ones are I mean, that's, that's the Zinfandel. It's considered the oldest grape, or okay. what, what have you. you. Yeah, but um, so it was a it was a Zinfandel from Spain, paired with this fried goat cheese. I, I I don't know where it stands on the list of classic pairings, but oh my, it's, it's classic God. for you. I was I would I would just eat, I was putting the goat cheese in my mouth and then like letting the Zinfandel like slowly seep in there and just letting it just. Just, yeah. just make love in my mouth. Ah, oh, slow down. Just making love in the club. <laughs> Thank you, Usher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, in, it was incredible. And, and from that moment on, I, I've really just kind of been into wine. Okay. Come to, come to think of it, I did have an aha moment like that. And it was with a girl that I was dating. We went to this place in Orange, um, Orange Circle. Hopper Door? It's not there anymore. Oh. It might be there, but under a different name. It used to be called the Frog's Breath. I have no idea. But it was in Orange Circle there, and they had wine tastings. We went in there, and uh, they hooked us up with, like, uh, I think five or six different wines, but you buy a plate, and that's what they actually charge you for. And they had some, like, prosciutto on there, some um, nuts, uh, cheese, a jam, and stuff like that. And the way they did, the, the way they arranged the wine tasting, I really appreciated it because I'd never really been a fan of, of really bold, bold wines. I thought they were just way too harsh on my palate. I would like the fruitier stuff, Rieslings, Rosés. I'd probably, back then, I'd really like, uh, Moscato. Stella, 
What's the Salarosa? Salarosa. I would definitely eat that back then. Yeah, Stella is, gets around. That's the billboards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she does. She's a whore. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, what I did was I started. They started us off with the lighter ones, the lighter wines that were a lot more palatable, and then they meaning slowly, light in flavor or light in color. Light in flavor. Okay. Uh, so it was it was just easy going, easy to drink. Uh, not a lot of tannins. Uh, not very acidic. Just kind of. Goes goes down easy, kind of wine, and then as you kind of become, as as your palate becomes more accustomed to the flavor of the wine over the course of the pairing, at the end of the pairing was were really really robust tobaccoy kind of stuff, and it wasn't as bad. And I thought it was actually it was really good compared. I mean, it's compared to how I drank wine before because they slowly brought you into that flavor, and not only that, over the course of it, you get a little drunk too. So you're obviously a little bit. Right. It goes your, down your, easy. Your uh, your taste buds can get drunk. Oh really? Yeah, that's well, see, that's, that's probably what happened too. So wine tasting. If you don't try what you want to like, what you're really trying to try quick, yeah, your your tongue will actually be less equipped to taste the wine. That makes sense because it's huh. a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant, so it's going to shut down your ability to taste. Interesting. There's a, there's a story in the Bible, the, the the most famous one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Jesus turning water into turning wine. Water into wine. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons why that was such a big. Wouldn't deal. it be awesome to have Jesus as a friend? <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> and then live next to an ocean. Yeah. Can, he, can Jesus turn salt water into wine? I'm sure he can. <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> the reason that story was so uh, well, one of the reasons it was so amazing was because it was this was towards the end of the night when everybody had already drank all the fine wines, and then he turned the water into wine, and it, it turned out to be the best wine like ever. And people were surprised by it because it was the best wine at the end of the night, which doesn't make too much sense because you're drunk already. You don't care at that point. It's, I don't know why that reminds me of it. <laughs> this might be a little off topic, but um, what varietal do you think Jesus turns water into? Ooh, interesting. I don't have to say Cabernet because that has to be my favorite. But if I'm trying to... Biased. Yeah, of course it's biased. Hmm. Is there a metallic t- tasting wine? Metallic-y? Yeah. Is Meaning there... like metal? Metal, yeah. Because yeah. it's, um, it's the blood you know, of Christ. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm oh, going with the, I'm okay, with the I see. Direction here. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, sometimes, like, if you, especially, like, if you uh, pair, like, tuna or, like, a fish with a wine, yeah, definitely, you get a really nasty, tinny Perfect. flavor. Whatever that so is. there you go. Whatever that is, that's Jesus. Yes. What do you think? What? Jesus? <laughs> I don't... Look, because you also right. got fish in there, which is also a biblical. Anyway, yeah. this isn't right. fair because I don't believe in Jesus. Pescado, right. but I believe in wine. Jesus Cado. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's get back to the tasting here. Huh? Uh, the, the one thing that I'm, I'm curious about: there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes of glasses, and I was told that it's for different types of wine, but I don't understand why the different shapes make different wines taste different ways. It's about okay. aerating the wine and making sure it hits your palate on the certain spot, right? Well, no, I believe I've been the palate on the spot is a misconception. Oh. It's all about aromas. Okay. So you have to look at bowl shape. And uh, if you you look at a wine glass, it's a, roughly a bowl shape, right? I mean, in, elongated, but right. you see it. You'll notice that a lot of glasses that are made for white wine are a little bit skinnier, a little bit taller, and less, I guess, less round, or spherical, less mm. spherical, as I guess would okay. be a good word. Ovular. Ovular, oh, yes. Very good. Ovulation. They're less ovulating. <laughs> um, and what it is is that um, it's not that to, it's not to say that white wines don't have aromas to offer. It's just that there's less aromas for the bowl to capture. So if you look at like a, a glass, like a Pinot Noir glass, 
it's really wide in in the in the bowl, and then it it tapers up to a skinnier, um, I guess opening. Right. And so what you you're supposed to do is swirl it in the glass, and that kind of uh, aerates the wine, like Rex said, kind of gets the aromas in there, and then you 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 smell. You put your nose in the glass and you smell. Okay. And what you smell there is supposed to be like all of the aroma that you're supposed to capture from the wine. And the reason that bowls are shaped certain ways is to capture the aromas for certain wines. I have heard a million times over that it hits your palate a different way, but I just personally don't see it yet. Well, it doesn't make sense really mechanically if you think about it. Well, the thing is is that Cause if you're most, most of lip. what you taste, you taste four things. Well, roughly four things. There's a There's... Uh, a bunch of debate about more taste buds, but you taste salt, you taste sweet, you taste bitter, and you taste sour. Or if you're getting one, and umami, and then apparently you can taste fat and CO2 now these days. So, well, according to Japanese people, but that's not to what I was getting at. I was actually just, (laughs) I was going to hit temperature. Temperature. Temperature is a thing. And, and spicy, I guess. Yeah. Even though not technically a mouth thing. Yeah. You do, you feel spicy. Um, but the rest of sm- of taste is actually just smelling it out of the back of your mouth. That's why when you're sick, you can't taste food. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, that's the the most general way I can put it of how to describe why you taste. You know, I, I, I did do a project in junior high that was uh, correlating between smell and taste, mm-hmm. where I had people like uh, bite into an apple but smell an onion and see what that did to them, and like. Uh, did all kinds of different. You did that in junior high. I did that in junior high. That seems like some like high level shit, right? It, I, I mean, I, it's I, simple, I, simple things, but yeah. Did yeah, they have tra- a seizure? My, my studies were inconclusive because uh, <laughs> my studies were inconclusive because I bit the onion. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I actually did. Uh, well, that's a different story for another time. Because I started crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't. I guess do the test the right way, so my tests were all crazy and weren't with the um, the way they were supposed to be. I guess. But I, I do understand that if you, this, the smell is a big part of, of taste. But I, I didn't realize you could smell through the back of your mouth. That's yeah, exactly. You, Very interesting. Most of your taste, um, as most, prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so. <laughs> Jesus. All, no. they, all they smell is salt. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, one of the big reasons uh, that people and, and smell perfume. the cork afterwards all the time is is to prepare their palate for the flavor of the wine too right like it's to it's to kind of like prepare you for it when they open up a bottle of wine and they give you the cork right yeah well i mean uh th- there's a couple reasons for that um make sure it doesn't turn also. one one is you're smelling to see if uh the bottle is corked which means that somehow the wine is tainted either i mean i won't get into the the details of it but there could be a few faults in the winemaking that can make a wine taste bad or there could be a few faults with the cork. Uh, there's like some statistics: five to ten percent of wines are corked. Um, I, I, in my personal life, I don't see the the um, stat that high, but I'm sure overall it actually is. Me neither. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've I've had one corked wine. It's very out of rare. The, let's say the bottles that I've bought myself. I've I've really only been into wine for let's say a year and three four months. So I, I've hit it hard. Um, let's say that over that span, I bought hundred bottles, hundred plus bottles. I think that's like that would be like a fair estimate. Okay. Actually, now that I'm thinking, it probably a lot more than that. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's about yeah, me one, in the past one, two months. One, <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is that you get people to pay for it for oh, you. Yeah. Oh, so I'm saying, bought myself. Um, that I've taken home with me. You know, two bottles have been corked. 
Yeah, um, that's what I was gonna say. You get, so so when you smell the when you smell the cork, you get this. What does what does that mean? To what else it have been corked? It, it means that the wine turned while it was in the bottle because of some reason. A lot a lot of times it's because the see the corks we're looking at right here are the synthetic ones. Right, but. The actual cork, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have cork rot and then air will get in from the outside and then it'll age the wine while it's still in the bottle, even though it looks like it's corked. And then that will turn the wine into a horrid smelling piece of hell. Cardboard, it just smelly, uh, smelly socks, anything like that. So you smell the cork and sometimes you could smell the cork and it will smell like crap because first off you're getting a bunch of sulfates basically. Yeah. I mean, Hmm. right there. So, I mean, especially if it's an older wine, smelling the cork almost does nothing because the wine you're smelling is an unaerated wine that's been, um, in a cellar. Closely <laughs> sealed or tightly sealed Decades. for however long, you know? So yeah. Yeah, you smell the cork to make sure that, that the wine is okay, but the really, the only way you could actually tell is if you aerate it, swirl it in your glass, smell that way. That's the, only perfect way that you'll be able to tell. All right, I have two questions. Yes. Uh, first, uh, as, far, as far as the cork goes, I've heard, and I'm sure that it's true, that the way to store wine is at a semi-horizontal level so that some of the wine is touching the cork because some of the flavor comes from the cork as well. That actually is half right. Okay. The reason that you store the bottle um, at that, I guess, at that horizontal level is that you want the cork to stay moist. The, the cork will dry out over time. And that will let more air into the wine, which is bad for the wine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so if you're storing it for long periods of time, then you long store it Long periods of time, store it sideways. And, and if it's cork, there are a lot of screw... I'm just going to go on a small rant real quick. Okay, please. There please are a lot of screw cap <laughs> wines out there, and people have this <laughs> bullshit misconception about them that they're crappy wines. It is... They have uh, plastic, rubber, whatever the shit's made out of. They have membranes in the caps... That create this imperfect seal that the the cork that emulate corks, and New Zealand, Australia, they are New Zealand has a law in place where all of their wines have to be. Australia is getting there. Yeah, Australia. And, and you know what? Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, of course. You know what? Fuck those people. You know why? Because I have taste. I have personally had a million wines that are screw tops that far. That are far, far better than any bullshit, um, $2 fucking cork wine that you could buy. So, huh. end rant. Uh, that's buy screw cap rant. wines. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Actually, I just pulled it out of my, uh, out of my closet here. This happens to be a $2 bottle of wine as well, but it is a screw cap. Now, you're, you're saying that the seal is imperfect? Is that what people are saying? The seal's imperfect. No, no, it's no, no, no. In- intentionally. The seal's in- intentionally. The, the, even a cork is intentionally imperfect because it lets enough air out of the bottle to keep the wine fresh. I know it sounds yeah. kind of well, the, the like, problem, well, that's that's counter what you just said. No, but no, no, it's it's perfectly imperfect. It's perfectly imperfect, exactly. That's that's really what it is. And they've made membranes in the screw caps where you can lay these bottles down and have wines. Now, are, are screw cap wines generally more recent? Like, they're not meant to be kept for a very long period of time? You know what? That's something that I'm not, a, I, I'm unsure of. I know that um. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I I I know that they've they've perfected, or at least have come goddamn close to perfecting the membrane to be exactly like corks. Okay. But I have no idea how well they've done it 
in order to make these wines lay down. So that's something that I honestly can't answer 100% to you. Okay. Well, what I've heard is that most wines are meant for, like, fairly recent consumption. The thing is, is that... What it is. I agree with you. Especially, um, there's a lot of expensive Cabernets that are coming out of Napa Valley that are these cult style wines, which means they're small, they're, they're small wineries that outsource their grapes and then they blend these grapes to make these incredibly, I mean, so goddamn good wines, but they're meant to drink now. Yeah. But it's like people have this idea where it's like, if I'm paying $150 for a bottle of wine, I want to, I want to leave it till they I They look have at that. it like it's an investment and it's yeah. going to appreciate when in reality it's, that's not the You know, way if you're not, if go. you're not buying, you know, French Bordeaux or, wines that you've heard are meant to lay down don't lay them down drink them i this is my favorite quote that i've ever heard setting wine and i have no idea who it is so i hope that i don't get sued for saying it marcellus wallace marcellus it was marcellus wallace. Okay. No, okay sorry go ahead um i'm trying to think of exactly how it's worded okay so don't wait to open a bottle for the occasion make opening the bottle the occasion uh okay yeah Very good and I, I i love that because it's like who knows if I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I think that's what people should look at with their wine, you know? It's a very Victorian way of thinking, my yeah. friend. Is that okay, though? Yes. Carpe diem, right? Uh, seize the wine. How do you say okay. that? Carpe in vino. vino. Carpe vino. Carpe vino. Yeah, very good. <laughs> You've coined a phrase, my friend. <laughs> You've coined a phrase. Yeah. No, but the, do not steal it. Carp, carpe vino, that's going to be our winery's name, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but the uh, the quote that I was thinking of that uh, was Marcellus Wallace from uh, Pulp Fiction, where he's talking to Bruce Willis' character, uh-huh. and uh, he's saying like, uh, if, "English like, motherfucker, do you speak right, it?" The same, same movie, but he, he's talking about like uh, talking to Bruce Willis about his, how he's getting old. And it's like if you think you're gonna get finer, uh, it was like the wine gets finer with age. If you mean it in terms of vinegar, that's true. And like in his case, now does, does some wine? I know some wine does turn to vinegar, but are there wines that do get better with age? Yes. wines peak though. They peak. They 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 do get better with age. You lay them down. You let these uh, tannic structures kind of unwind and um, open up, and they become these incredibly soft, easy drinking wines. But at a certain point, they they disintegrate. Yep. So hmm. it's almost like eating fruit, right? When you when they ripen, it's like they're ready to eat, but it's be only because they've rotted a little bit, right? Is well, that true? Well, I don't, I don't know that. scientists have actually broken this down, and, and it's weird about wines that are meant to lay down uh, because the way that they age is when they when they first bottle them, and it, they're very similar to kind of like the, re, the the wines that are supposed to be consumed very frequent, like very very quickly, and the, and they're good and they're right there in their little flavor profile, but then their alcohol content dips. After they've been stored for a while, and oh. then they find that after a while, it actually goes back up again. And but once once it's it's past that point, that's when it just it's bad, basically. So, there, oh, so there's it's a, there's a window tasting worse. Yeah, well, there's there's a window there where you can get it where it's supposed to be drank again. But if you go before that, then you're really not hitting the flavor profile of where it was supposed to be. And if you go after that, then you're uh, drinking vinegar. Basically, or th- at least that's how I had it explained to me. Because some dude with a chart showed his, I his crap. Can neither confirm or deny this. Confirm or deny that. Yes. Okay. But it sounds interesting and could com- be completely true. Wine is a 
weird magical 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 substance. magical thing especially once it goes into the bottle crazy okay. shit can happen uh, the second question i had yes if you remember sorry <laughs> no the uh now there has been wines that i've smelled or wafted whatever the correct term is that smelled is perfect okay good. yeah i will never second myself second guess myself again yeah <laughs> uh that i've smelled and they smell fantastic but then taste bad or not bad but not as good as it smells and okay. vice versa yeah. Whereas it smells not so good, but then tastes fantastic. What, 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 how is that possible? Well, okay. So this is, this is because of what your preference is, right? Okay. Cause I'm pretty sure someone will look at that exact same wine and think the opposite as you. Right. Um, so what it is, is that it has great aroma. I mean, everything that you like is there. Maybe you like some fruit. Maybe you like a little like woody. Maybe you like a little peppery. Let's just, I'm just off the top of my head. Okay. Maybe you like those smells, but then when you taste it, Maybe it's a little lighter bodied than you thought, meaning that it feels a little light on your tongue. Maybe it doesn't have the acidity that you thought it was going to have. So everything that you smelled doesn't point to how it felt on your tongue. And then because of that, you get this wine that you only half like, right? Interesting. It's kind of like when you're dating and you fall in love with the idea of somebody, but then you get to know (laughs) them. Right. And it's an utter disappointment. So if, if I had tasted it without smelling it at all, I probably would have enjoyed it more than if I had smelled it to give myself a false preconception of what it's going to taste like. Expectations. I really feel like expectations have a huge bearing on what you think of the wine. Okay. Whether you paid a lot for it, whether you like the label, whether your boss bought it for you and he knows about <laughs> wine, so you think that he uh, yeah. that he's getting you something good. So I, I always... Any, any of these, like, there's, I found something on the internet, and I wish that I would have printed it out so I could have showed you guys, but it, it was this whole chart of all these things that are expectations compared to what um, winemakers can actually do to make the wine taste different. And it, it really showed that expectations far outweigh what the end result of what someone thinks of a wine compared to what the the um, grape growing, what the winemakers, what the blenders did to get that wine. And how, it's it's pretty incredible, I think. How much of that do you think is to blame for, uh, or, or sophist- how, how much of that do you think sophistos are to blame, basically? It's kind of like elitist wine drinkers that are out there going, no, it's just like fucking... <laughs> like the Raiders, like Robert Parker? I, I don't know that guy. Sure. But sure, I hate him already. Okay. CP3. Um, Wait, he has a good first name, though. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I think that I think that worse is if they rate a wine high that you don't like, because what those guys, what their job is to see like how well this wine fits into that varietal. There's certain varietal characteristics that a wine's supposed to have. So you have basically an idea of how of a varietal what, oh, you have supposed this, you to have taste this, like. You have this perfect idea of what a wine's supposed to taste like, and how close that wine comes to that. Is their rating uh, from from what I understand, and I think that people would agree with me that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. There's some people that grade on different scales, um, in terms of price point, whatever. That y- you can grade on a million different things, but yeah, that definitely. is the basic idea of rating wine. That makes sense. I still think 100 percent that there is no possible way that anybody could rate a wine to like, um, I guess, objectively to make you understand why they rated it a certain one. I've had a wine that is n- rated 99 points and I absolutely fucking hated it. And it's a I'll, I'll even throw it out there. It's a it's a Malbec 
And I tend to like Malbecs. Ooh, me too. Um, I think they're really good wines. They I think have it's, a huge I think range. it's hard. I think it's hard to find uh like a bad one. I think even inexpensive Malbecs come out pretty good. Um, and that's my personal view. Right. But um, ninety nine points, and it came out bad. But you know what? I think that had it got rated eighty eight, and I drank that same wine, I would have been okay with it. Now the, the, ah. those points, I see those points. Y- you know what time. I'm saying? Is yeah. that it just the the points throw me off. Yeah. So whenever people come in, whenever I deal with people that want wine, I I tell them that whatever the rating says, forget it. Yeah, that those guys are awesome at describing what a wine gives you. But unless you know what that is beforehand, then like. But I mean, they do it. They do a pretty good job at breaking it down. They say, "Oh, grapefruity and melon flavors." Oh, I thought I thought you meant in relation to the rating. No, 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 not in relation to the rating. They just they. It says the way the way if you read like a, uh, like a shelf talker at almost any um, any retailer, it's going to give you the point and then who the points and then who rated it, and then it'll give you a description of the wine. Per that yeah. later, um, they're really good at describing the wines. They drink a lot of wine. They know what they're talking about. I, I'm not going to sit here and discredit what they do. I just think that as a wine drinker, or like uh, some people like to say, "Oh, I'm a wine connoisseur." <laughs> as somebody that um, is looking for a wine that the connoisseur like, line just pissed me off. The connoisseur <laughs> line is bullshit, right? It's, 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 upsetting, it's, it's a hater. It's like photographers. I'm a photographer. I hate that. So line. am I. I have I a hate camera that. phone. Exactly. I take pictures. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But. You're not a photo- photographer. You're a camera owner. But I, just, I just think. I just think that. I, I always tell them. I always tell them. Don't look at the the rating or the the person. Look at the description. But I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of like when, I'm, when I'm trying to sell something. What? And it has high rated points. I do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I of course. Oh, right. well, you're, you're, point. And that's you're, the only reason that they're on those tags. But you're okay. you're selling. You're, I mean, you're really not trying to get somebody something that they right. want. I all never. The time I never. I, right. Let me just say this, and I I believe this to be true with everybody, with ninety five percent of every of people <laughs> that um some people that <laughs> that do the same thing I do on a daily basis, which is. Work in a major retailer that sells wine. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Okay. Totally. I I never lie to anybody. I never ever lie to anybody. They will come up to me and they will say, "What do you think about this wine?" And I will never say if it's bad or good. I will describe the wine to them, and hopefully that's enough. Well, that's that's smart because it's all subjective. What's good to you might be bad to somebody and else. And I tell and that to everybody. Yeah. That's what I say. I've had. I've had wines that won't even list the ratings because they're so bad that are delicious. <laughs> you know what? I wish people were like that when it comes to movies, okay? Because wine is very much like movies in this situation. A movie that does really well at the box office and gets great ratings, I intentionally don't watch that movie because I don't want to have the, the like misconception that it's it's a fucking 10 out of 10 movie, and then I go watch it, and it's only a 9 out of 10, but then I hate the movie because it didn't live up to my st- like preconceived notions of where it should have performed at. I think that's happened to me twice. Okay. Let's okay. just put it this way. Avatar and Dark Knight, I watched them after everybody oh. said everything, oh. and I didn't have the, the oh. feeling. And I think we could describe that with wine. Okay. Expectations yes. mean everything. Yes. If I watch those movies blindly, let's use a wine term. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'd rather read the synopsis and then watch it like six months that, later. I think that I I wouldn't have thought the same about those movies. You see, and I have, I have a very similar situation where The Dark Knight, I, and this may be hard to believe, uh, but 
I went to go see the movie uh, by myself just because I wanted to see it. But without seeing a preview, without hearing a review about it, I just went in. I was blind. I went yeah. in, watched it, blew my mind. Because I, I had no expectations. I just knew it was a, it was a Batman movie yeah. that had Joker and Two-Face, which I happened to like. And that was all. I walked in. I saw it. And one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Because yeah. midget. I didn't have expectations. Midget. 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 It was midget. <laughs> that's, that's how good it was. Oh, that I love I love that midget has turned in has like in the past what 30 minutes has turned into the uh the, the way you say that something's like on point you know definitely like midget now as far as solving the movie problems uh if you don't know about rotten tomatoes it's a very decent site yeah where it's mostly user ran as far as ratings go so you can get like they have the critics that give them their crap ratings users give their rating and usually you want to go by the users but that's my fucking problem okay that i have a huge problem with that anyways 90 99% of the people out there are fucking morons Okay, so yeah, why that's why am I gonna give in to this succumb to this populist notion of what's good? They, they and have bad. the same things for wine and beer. Yeah, um, that's what I was, gonna, I was trying to get I, back to. I personally, <laughs> I personally don't do the whole uh, user rated wine thing, which I probably should do more. But for beer, craft craft brew drinking, and let me just say this: that everything that you think about beer, you can think about wine. That yeah. everything that you taste, everything, uh, they, you might be tasting and drinking different things, but. They go hand in hand in terms of. Well, see, that's a know. that's a problem right there with the whole populist misconception. A lot of people would really like Belgium fruity fucking beers, right? Because they're easy <laughs> on the palate and you can drink them really easy. Can but, I say? But they steer away like from the IPAs because it's kind of bitter and it's too hoppy for the little fuckers. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. Moscato versus uh, what Cabernet. Right? Yeah, but I I love both of those things. Yeah, and, and, and it's mostly you can love both of them. I lo- yeah. I will drink a Frambois and then I'll turn around and drink some what Pliny the Elder, whatever you know. Same thing. It's the it's the beer it's the beer difference, and but, but it's I think that those two things would get rated completely differently if it if you're kind of like uh, yielding to what the populace thinks a thing a thing should taste like because I will say they this, don't know it on those websites on uh, I can say them right yeah 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 okay so it's rate beer and beer advocate that I use okay these websites are filled with pretentious beer drinkers. The things that are rated number one are rated number one for one of two reasons. Either, yes, they are fucking incredible, or two, they're super rare. Ah. Uh, yeah, there you go. So and it's like those see, crazy that's, that's beers. The difference, that's the difference with beer, is that it's super accessible because they're not... The most expensive beer is your... I mean, realistic most expensive beer is your middle-of-the-line wine. I mean, really, uh, you're paying $25, $30 for a bottle of beer. And I mean that's like, and that's what? a bigger. It's a bigger bottle, though. It's, yeah, it's not just like your yeah, little like a twelve ounce. I've never heard of such a thing for beer. Really, I've never yeah. heard beer thing be that okay. expensive. What? But yeah, you do. Um, where wow. you been? So it With makes Bud Light crowd. That's where I've been. <laughs> it makes it makes a lot of these uh, these pretentious fans. Um, but what about just Delirium? Delirium's pretty pricey for a, a beer. Delirium okay. Tremend? The most expensive beer I've had was like you... a, maybe a twelve dollar like a draft that was like a at BJ's or something. But I don't oh, even know what it was called. Don't insult me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, these I mean these websites again, I look at them not for the ratings. I like to see what people say about them. And I, I do have a website here. This is a from foodandwine.com that has a 50 wines you can always trust. Mm-hmm. And I want to run some of these R- by you. Run some of them by me. Let me see what I, think, right. what I know about them. Uh a Beringer, the uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon. Did I say that right, Sauvignon? Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just, I just added an accent just to sound fancier. Just because you wanted to sound fancy. That's it. Yeah. That's true. I, I, I'm pretty sure that accent is there, but don't do 
<laughs> I'm a connoisseur, though. Yeah, you're a, you're a, you're a connoisseur. I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we have the uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Okay. I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's for $11. Okay. This is... This is uh, and one of those things. Price is a perception issue. I think that if you pay $11 for a wine, you're not expecting much out of it. So when you taste right. it and it's incredible... You don't you don't mind it. If right. that same wine was forty bucks, you wouldn't think the same thing about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. We have uh, this is La Crema. La Crema Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Yes. Yes. Uh, Sonoma Coast Chardonnay. Eighteen dollars. What is it? Sixteen bucks. Seventeen. Eighteen. Yes. I also yeah. have a silver price. Honestly, uh, yeah, that Chardonnay, solid. No matter when, no matter what year, always solid. La Crema Chardonnay. Okay. What about this- KJ? How do you feel about KJ? Honestly, it's middle priced. It's middle range. Like it's always good. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Kendall Jackson, the win. The, that's the, what I just said. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. Vintage Reserve <laughs> Chardonnay Reserve. for twelve dollars. It's on the list. Oh we yeah. Made it. Uh, let's see what else is on here. Uh, Ravenswood, the Lottie's Infandale, fifteen dollars. Yeah. See, I mentioned a uh, cheaper's ra- cheaper Ravenswood earlier, but uh, their Lodi's Infandale. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Always good. Fifteen bucks. It's awesome. All right. Yeah. Robert Mundavi, the uh, Napa Valley. Oof. Just their Cabernet. Fumé Blanc. Fumé Blanc. So what that is is a, uh, and actually, uh, Mondavi made this style of wine up. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, he did. That is, uh, aged in oak barrels. So it gives, oh, it gives wow. a very acidic and a, uh, woody baking spices, uh, influenced wine. It's an interesting wine. If you like Sauvignon Blanc and you like Chardonnay, I say that you try this wine, this style of wine, Fumé Blanc. Not to, uh, plug another, uh, winery, but Chateau Saint Jean makes a, Way, way more incredible Fumé Blanc than the uh, the originator, but it's incredible. I think everyone should try it. And again, what was it? Chateau what? Chateau Saint Jean. Okay. G E A N. And unlike what you would think, it's actually American. So. Oh. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see what else we have here. So it's not Jean. Chateau Saint. It, it could be. I've only he- ever heard it called Chateau Saint Jean, and that's oh. um, straight from a uh, master sommelier. So there you go. Oh. Probably is. He's probably right. Here's a, a Chateau Saint Michel. Okay, which one? Uh, Columbia Valley Merlot for sixteen dollars. That's a uh, Washington State winery. Is that right? And they yeah they actually <laughs> produce solid stuff right now. People, yeah. I think that Washington State, and this is not like. A personal prediction, like, oh, I'm gonna be the uh, the man in ten years. But Washington <laughs> State is producing incredibly good wines. They're underrated. Their <laughs> whites, their whites are incredibly good. Rieslings that come out of Washington State are incredible, and that's not a secret. Everyone knows that now. But uh-huh. the Reds are catching up. They're becoming really, really good. It's because the entire east side of the state is a watershed. So, like, you basically it has the best terroir, I guess, it's, right? Terroir. Oh, let's say. Yeah. I don't know how to say. It. If we're gonna be fancy, let's yeah. be fancy. Okay. Right? The, the, it's got the best, <laughs> the best climate and land to grow wine on, basically. Because terroir. Do you to, want me to explain terroir real quick? Go for it. Okay, so terroir means that a certain piece of the land gives the wine a certain quality, a very distinctive quality. This is what you pay for when you pay for French wines, first growth Bordeaux. Uh, and and any kind of old world, which means you're mostly European uh, style wines, is that you're paying for the terroir. The ground that it grows on literally determines how the wine's going to taste. And we're starting to see a little bit of that now that we're um, progressing in our wine growing here in uh, America on the West Coast. That's why in like France you have regions and stuff like that, whereas here we didn't. 
have a really good handle on how the different land lended flavor to the different vintages. I mean, not vintages. Yeah. Wait, I said that right. Yeah. Varietals, right. how it lent the flavors to the different varietals. So what we did was we just classified all of our grapes really by varietal instead of region. But now you're kind of seeing that change in, in, in the United States because now you have like Sonoma stuff or you have stuff from Temecula or you have stuff from Washington that all the different regions are kind of like making a name for themselves. And I think it, it'll be very soon that um, – they copyright it to the extent where you are not going to be able to use those words no matter where you are up and down the state. I think right now Sonoma already does that, right? Where if you're not the if it's not is, grown is in Sonoma, you can't I mean, name it Sonoma. There's very loosely based rules in California. Basically the way it is is that in order to list a single varietal, it has to be a certain percentage of that varietal. Yeah. In order to list it as that region, a certain percentage of the grapes have to come from that region. And then in order to list it as a certain vintage, a certain amount of grapes have to come from that vintage. That That's basically what you have. Yeah. And, I mean, there's big regions. You could list your wine as California. Yeah. Or you can list your wine as Napa. And then in Napa, you have... Different areas Oakville, in Napa, yeah. Rutherford, really, exactly. really... I mean, excuse me, I'm... I messed that up. Rutherford's in Paso Robles, but whatever. But I'm just saying, you could have really small subregions, Stag's Leap District in Napa. You know, just whatever you want to do. It can get really, really small. Yeah, but in but like back to what we were saying in Washington, uh, the area is actually great for growing wine because the east side of the state uh, gets like no rainfall basically because the the mountain range blocks off all the rain. Okay. And to to grow really to grow good wine grapes. You need a controlled environment, and that's what you basically have there because you don't get rain. You can control the water. You control exactly where the land, how much ex- exactly how much water it gets all the time, and huh. then then so since they're able to do that there, then they can produce really good wine grapes to make good wine. Okay. Now uh, back to something you were saying. I, I found this bottle of uh, champagne in my uh, vast array of wine stuff that I have here because I'm classy. And uh, damn it, what's the word? Connoisseur. I'm kind of connoisseur. Connoisseur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is um, an Andre Extra Dry California Champagne. I thought that was against the rules to call it champagne. It's against it's not the rules. Champagne. It is. I'm just gonna say is that. Uh, Having Andre in your house is nowhere near classy, sir. It's not. <laughs> but champagne is champagne. Or, excuse me, sparkling wine is sparkling wine. So here's the rule. Champagne, in order to legally be called champagne, has to be from, has champagne. To be from champagne, France. Right. Yes. Yeah. So what are these people? So what's the deal, right? People, well, so what's the deal? Yes. Um, they don't listen. <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard yeah they they can say I think what they can get away with is saying California style champagne if that's a, a precursor or something I've heard like, some bullshit like rumor and I don't want to call it bullshit because it might be completely true I've heard a rumor that says that we're not as California um, listing champagne on bottles that we're not affected by that rule because prohibition was going on at the time that they made that rule wow and. And so we're not subject to it. I don't know how true that is, but um, if that it is true, it makes biggie. sense. I'm going to yeah. go read the Volstead Act. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So I don't know how true that is. If it's true, awesome. If not, that's a fun tale to tell your friends when you're drunk. Right now, now um, let's say on the bottle here, and I don't know if this affects it at all. It says, uh, Charmat Method Sparkling Wine, secondary fermentation before bottling. Okay. So that's just the style, the, the way they made the wine. 
So sh- champagne so, is made so in. So they have uh, bought it from champagne, bought it here, secondarily bottled it, and then still call it champagne. Nah, well, no, no, no. What it is is that the champagne method, or also called the uh, traditional method, is the secondary fermentation, which means the fermentation that gives it its bubbles. Okay. Okay. So I mean, just backtrack. Fermentation is the the part of the winemaking process where the yeast eats the sugar in the in the wine and produces alcohol and CO2. In that primary fermentation, they let the CO2 come out of the wine, right? In secondary fermentation, they add what's called a liquor de tirage, right? Which is a little bit of yeast, a little bit of sugar. Okay. And usually they do this in the bottle. And then there's a whole process where they eject that out and then seal it. And that's how you get your... Your champagne, basically, sparkling. Okay. You get bubbles. Um, Charmont method <laughs> yes. is a different method of making wine, of sparkling wine, where you do that secondary fermentation with a big tank, pressurized tank where you add the CO2 in, and then you put it in the bottle. Huh. Which is cheating. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is. Well, because well, originally the, the story behind how champagne was, was made or how it became popular was that they were shipping uh, – the the wine from France to Britain, right? And then the, over the course of the voyage, it took so long that it, the secondary fermentation actually happened en route, and they opened up all the wine there in Britain, and they're like, why does it have bubbles? This is silly. <laughs> and then it got all crazy and popular, and then the French got pissed off that they were having more fun than them, so they decided to do it on purpose, <laughs> right? So they now they've that story is so fun. I have no idea what the validity of that Me story neither, is, but, but I great. hope it's true. I hope so. I'm going to claim it's true right here. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I, I heard that it was uh, champagne was happened upon by accident. That nobody went out with the intention of trying to make mine bubbly. From, right? from the story that I heard is Mr. Uh, Dom P, who's uh, listed as being the founder of champagne, champagne or the maker, yeah. was actually trying to get rid of the bubbles in their champagne. Oh, okay. I don't know. Huh. Again, I don't know what's going on with that, but that's what I've heard. I like the uh, the England story a little bit better. That's, Me that's too. fantastic. Now, well, before we get out of here, there's a couple things that we mentioned in the podcast that uh, I would like some explanation uh, for myself. I mean, <clears throat> for the listeners, <laughs> uh, what is a tannin? Tannin. So it's I don't know how to describe it over there. <laughs> okay, so okay. Tannins are what get in the wine because of the skin. So if you eat a grape, that feeling that the grape skin gives you, the best way I could describe it, and this might sound really off the wall and crazy, but like a cat tongue, you know how it's kind of like... Spiky? Yeah, like kind of weird. Uh-huh. It's that feeling where it gives your tongue like that that feeling, like a really oh, okay. gripping feeling on your tongue, on your um, on your cheeks, just something that kind of grips the the sides of your mouth. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I, yeah, I idea that was because chemically of the it's an acid, right? Tannic acid. Tannic acid, and yes. it can come from either. So there's fruit tannins, what comes from the grape, and then there's barrel tannins, which come from the oak barrels. Fruit tannins will happen in the front of the mouth. Oak tannins will happen in the back of the mouth. And uh, when you feel that gripping feeling, that's what you're feeling. Interesting. I always thought that was because it was just dry. Is that, is that tannic. part of tannins? I mean, have you ever had that with a? I mean, like you drink, drink. Next time, drink a wine. Next time you drink a wine that hasn't been um, put in oak barrels at all, and see what the tannic does to you. Okay. And I, I think that that's important. Interesting. That's why uh, easier drinking red wines will have less tannins, and uh, white wines usually don't have tannins. I would say nothing. It does nothing. Or that's what I feel like. I I had the Chardonnay that was still. Uh, 
steel aged or whatever the is aged in the steel barrels. Oh, steel barrels, yeah. And that stuff, it tasted like water, like it, it just really fruity, right? And I guess, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting style. I, I mean, hated you, it. you you hated it. Yeah, I, I felt like I might as well like, just see. There we go. Drinking. Perception, because there's some people that won't even drink oak aged uh, Chardonnay anymore. I'm not a big fan of oak aged, but I just felt like, given that. Given the flavor profile that I was hitting on on that, and I only had one, so I have no idea how it, the the vast range that it gets exactly. produced. But um, I felt like I might as well just be drinking Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, I, yeah, you're, it's, you're right. It's you're almost right. the same exact flavor. You're right. Very acidic um, wine. There's nothing wrong with that. Sauvignon Blanc is delicious. I do enjoy it. In fact, that was one of the first wines that I, I drank, just because I felt like I should drink wine. Was the Sauvignon Blanc? New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc specifically okay. is incredible but then i went i went to the the chenin blanc which is is sweeter and yeah. a lot easier to drink in mass consumption as mm-hmm. a as a youth and can i thank youth. can i thank rappers for making moscato ghetto now can i is that true that? is moscato ghetto would you say it's ghetto? i never heard of that i, heard I, see, I see i see plenty of white women older white women drinking it i don't associate them with ghetto i've been hearing it in a lot of rap songs i have not heard it yet oh, i've i've heard it and i think I at least off my xm and listen to some real radio <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, one one last question here. Uh, You're going to have to outro this podcast with that rap song. I, I would like to, I, but it's not very classy. Oh, we got to <laughs> right. stick with the standards, my friend. We can I- intro with the music from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. All right. <laughs> no, but uh, the rating system, the wine rating system, the points. Yes. Uh, what is that out of? Is it out of 100 points? Most are out of 100, yes. Okay. And the, the, you said something that kind of it, it, a little upset me. The, the, the points are based on one person giving it that, that score, and that's it? Yes, sir. That doesn't seem right at all. I feel like it should be consensus between all the, the experts, the 160 experts. The, uh, they should all oh, you think that You think that the wine sommelier should do it? Because yeah. I want you to know something is that none of these – People that are rating wines are wine sommeliers, master sommeliers. Then who's rating them? So I could walk in. I could walk into the nearest big alcohol consumption warehouse and say, "That's a 500 point wine because I said so." And put sure, my name to, on there. Yes. L- let me just put it this way: Tomorrow you can start a company and call yourself a CEO of it, right? Yep. Today wow. you could start a blog and call yourself a uh, a wine rater. I'm a photographer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That, um, these, these guys have got, gained credit, credibility because people feel that yeah. what they what they rate their wines are solid. Um, but yeah, yeah, same thing wow. with like Andrew Zimmerman. I, I think he's not even a chef. I think he, <laughs> he no, he seriously. I th- I'm pretty sure he just started off food blogging, and that's all he did. Like he food blogged and food blogged, and people like what he had to say. And now he gets paid to go around the world and like eat and drink. Maybe not the best food in the world sometimes, but he still gets paid to fucking travel everywhere. Right. I heard he was right here uh, by uh, the Mexican place by Happy Walk. Was he? I, I heard that. I, I don't know if it's true or not. That's hilarious. So it's obviously not the best food in the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Weird eats. Yeah. So and anybody could rate that. That's that seems insane to me. And and advertise right there on in the stores. I don't. I don't. I, I, why is that um, weird to you? Because any any random schmo could say this is a ninety nine point wine and then that's what they put on the on the placard. Everything's about popular consensus, man. Think that's of, what it should be popular consensus, not one fucking guy. You know, uh, no, rate, rate beer, rate beer. Come, uh, the website I was talking about earlier, they um, from their overall, I guess, from their take in from the 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 raters or normal beer drinkers, they will give you shelf tags that give their rating and what they think about it. 
All right. Next time, next time I go into the, uh, to get a wine tasting from you, I, I'm going to be the, the founder of Rat Pack Podcast and I want to start rating wines and I want you, I want to see those in the store with, with the website at the bottom. Can't he just be our representative? <laughs> you should. I'd rather I'll be the representative. Yeah. yeah. You rate it for us. I'll just, I'll just go in there and I'll scribble out. Um, yeah, just put a website hey, j- Just like, yeah. well, just like fa- faces are. Uh, well, he's. I don't know about you, but he's my fashion consultant. A face, yeah. Face. I, I should take that into consideration. You should. should. You should. So yeah. I mean, hey, why I have like not? Four outfits. There you go. There you go. But all right, yeah, I think we should wrap it up here. We, we ran pretty long for a top shelf. It's supposed to be very short, but I happen to enjoy wine immensely. It's one of my favorite things on life. Is is wine. Well, we'll probably have another episode about wine in the future we'll because we barely kind of hit the top of the iceberg here. Yes. Um, but we've barely popped the cork. Oh, oh there oh, we go. Oh. oh, look at you, man. Look at you. Look at me. <laughs> Very good. We, and we will have you back. We have to have you back. Thank you. You have, you're so knowledgeable about the wine stuff. Thank and, you. And after this, we stop recording here. We're going to keep talking just so you know. Yeah. All right. And, and hopefully we keep on drinking. Absolutely. All right. Yes, I yeah. have these four bottles of wine left. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you know what? I've, I've had a great time here and I will come back. Anytime you guys want me, uh, thank you, Mr. And I will bring, I will bring my, uh, I won't call it a wealth of knowledge. Let's just say I will bring my, uh, my broke college student wallet of knowledge. There, How's that? there we go. You've passed the test. That's more than we did as far as the uh, Somalietis. There we go. I passed the test. <laughs> All right. Of the Somaliers. Somaliers. There right. we go. <laughs> give Give him his own link on the website where he just constantly reviews wine. Very good. We should do that. There we, we go. Uh, my my uh, my blog is you have a uh, blog. Fantastic. We should plug that. Yeah. Well. I have a blog, but I never write on it. So now I'm going to plug it, and I'm going to start writing on it. All right, uh, it's 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 called That's a Good Meatball, and uh, it's about like life, alcohol, and um, life, baseball, and alcohol. My three favorite things in 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 the world. Okay, and it's called That's a Good Meatball, and you can find me right now until I get a actual domain at goodmeatball.tumblr.com. All right, very good. And uh, I'll ch- I'll be checking that out. By the way, just thank you. <laughs> and we'll post links on the website so they can also find it through us. Um, I absolutely do not post anything, and I mean anything about Raiders on my website. So if you have a problem with them, you'll never see Raiders it. or Raiders. Raiders, okay, and Raiders actually. Okay. <laughs> you know, since we're talking about uh, like a little bit of sports got right. in there, yeah. <laughs> Don't like the Raiders movies. and Raiders. Very good. Anything that starts with Ray and ends with Ers. <laughs> Very good. No Ravers either. Wow. <laughs> All right. That's a big part of demographic, by the way. <laughs> That's not true. Goddamn etards. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us on Top Shelf. We were talking about wine tasting and everything wine. And uh, if you have any questions, email us. We'll get it to uh, Mr. Sackis or hit him on his uh, blog post. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Adam. I'm Sackis. Thanks for having me. And I'm still holding my mic with my pinky. Days of wine and roses.
that introduced me to the days of wine and roses and you. 